Hello and welcome to this first special bonus episode of the Hamlet podcast. When we reach the end of every scene of the play, there will be a bonus episode celebrating particular interpreters of the role or indeed of the play itself. Fittingly enough, this first such special edition is in honour of the great Japanese director Yukio Ninagawa, whose production of Macbeth will perform at the Barbican this coming week. Ninagawa directed eight separate productions of Hamlet over the course of his extraordinary career. His first version of it was in 1978, and his last was in 2015, in honour of his 80th birthday. Ninagawa was born in 1935, and was part of the underground theatre movement that blossomed in Tokyo in the late 1960s. He created a series of aggressive, impactful productions, often performed late at night in cinemas or wherever his troupe, the Contemporary People's Theatre, could manage to make the shows happen. In 1974, Ninagawa was approached by Toho, an entertainment conglomerate, to create a production of Romeo and Juliet. By this time in Japan, Shakespeare was part of the canon, and so it was considered almost sacrilegious of him to put his performers in modern dress and even use music by Elton John in a play by Shakespeare, already a canonical writer. This, despite the fact that the first complete translation of Shakespeare's plays was completed by Dr. Shuyo Tsubochi, who died in 1935, the same year Ninagawa was born. Shakespeare was assumed into the fabric of Japanese cultural and theatrical life remarkably quickly. By the 1970s, Shakespearean production had calcified to such an extent that Ninagawa wanted to shake things up a bit, and his production clearly did so. Soon after the Romeo and Juliet, Ninagawa put together his first production of Hamlet in 1978. It starred Mikijiro Hira as the young prince, and was Ninagawa's first attempt to present Shakespearean drama through a lens of Japanese culture. This approach would prove to be hugely successful and led to a long-standing international interest in his productions, as well as incredibly high status at home in Japan. Ninagawa himself loathed watching Japanese actors trying to act, or worse, make themselves look like European or American characters on stage. This was such a bugbear that he cooked up expressly Japanese frameworks in which to present non-indigenous stories throughout his career. This was not limited to Shakespeare. He had great successes with Chekhov, Tennessee Williams, and certainly with Greek tragedy also, but it was for his extraordinary achievements with Shakespeare that Ninagawa will forever be remembered. I should here confess my own interest. Ninagawa's production of Medea appeared in an open university documentary when I was a teenager and completely changed my life. Thereafter, I chose to study drama at university, I did an MA in Greek theatre performance with a thesis on his production of Oedipus, and then I got a scholarship from the Japanese government to go to Tokyo and learn more about him. My first experience of being in his rehearsal room, after the amazing Thelma Holt interceded on my behalf and made an introduction, was for a production in 2005, celebrating his 70th birthday. The production, entitled something like Shakespeare in the Tenth Year of the Tenpo Period, was an enormous, extravagant four-hour play that features plot elements and characters from all of Shakespeare's plays, woven together in a madcap version of 1839 Japan, the tenth year of the Tenpo era. The play began on what looked like a recreation of the stage of the Globe Theatre, before a chorus of entirely Japanese construction workers burst in and tore it down, gleefully singing, 
what if Shakespeare had never existed? highly entertaining, a whirlwind of soldiers, politicians, witches, maidens, murderers, and in my own favourite scene, a certain young prince who can't quite figure out what the question might be, and so goes in order through the entire catalogue of famous translations of to be or not to be in Japanese. It's an extraordinary thing to put on the stage, but it worked brilliantly. I don't think it would work quite as well in podcast format, so I've chosen not to play the clip, but it's probably available on YouTube somewhere or other. This production was put on as part of the celebrations of Ninagawa's 70th birthday at the Bunkamura Theatre Cocoon, where he was also the artistic director. The other three productions he created in the series were, in order, a play by Kunio Shimizu, the first playwright he had ever worked with, Kitchen by Arnold Wesker, that was a major influence on the theatre of the late 1960s, and a new production of Medea, the Greek tragedy that had cemented his reputation overseas. The summer of 2005 also saw one of Ninagawa's greatest Shakespeare triumphs when he created an extraordinary new production of Twelfth Night at the Kabuki Theatre in Ginza with a full Kabuki cast and staging. It's very interesting that Ninagawa chose no one Shakespeare play for his celebratory season. Instead, he picked a ribald, entirely comic Japanese play that poked fun at Shakespeare from every imaginable angle. This is not to say that Ninagawa disrespected Shakespeare, so much as wanted to maintain an earthy, even salty awareness that the theatre in Shakespeare's own experience was vulgar, popular, exciting and accessible. A huge influence for Ninagawa was Mikhail Bakhtin's Rabelais and His World, a study of the rambunctious French writer and his gleefully unceremonious depiction of the Renaissance world. Ninagawa sought constantly to emulate this spirit and so felt drawn to incorporate any element from Japanese cultural life that might awaken the plays for his audiences. Tenpo was a fabulous and appropriate summation of this approach over 30 years after that first Romeo and Juliet. A perfect example of Ninagawa's use of Japanese iconography is his inclusion of the Hinadan, the traditional display stand for the Doll Festival in Hamlet. The Doll Festival takes place on the 3rd of March, the third day of the third month, and it is a traditional mother-daughter ritual to arrange the dolls, representing the hierarchy of the imperial court, on the stand. We first see the stand in the scene between Polonius and Ophelia, and immediately a Japanese audience will be wondering, where is her mother? It's a beautiful, subtle idea that arranges this relationship in a very different way. The hierarchical display haunts the play very cleverly, Having shown us a fairly normal-sized version of the stand in this early scene, it is then expanded greatly, so that in the play within the play, the visiting actors recreate this arrangement of characters in the court in their performance of the murder of Gonzago. 
Later still, it appears in even larger scale, as Claudius and Gertrude observe the fatal fencing match from atop a huge courtly staircase. This ingenious visual motif appeared in several of Ninagawa's productions of the play in different ways, and gave a brilliant means of identification for his Japanese audiences. Hamlet was, for Ninagawa, the Everest, the great play to which he returned repeatedly. He directed it in 1978, in 1988 and in 1998, in 2001, and then further productions followed in 2003, 2004, 2012 and finally in 2015. Several of his Hamlets were or became movie stars, among them Ken Watanabe, Hiroyuki Sanada and Tatsuya Fujiwara, who played the role in two separate productions. The 2004 version was in English and it toured to several cities around the United Kingdom. It starred Michael Maloney as the Prince, with Francis Tomalty as Gertrude and Peter Egan as Claudius. As with his earlier production of King Lear in English in 1999, it didn't quite capture the hearts of British critics with quite the same excitement as his Japanese productions. Thanks to the tireless work of producer Thelma Holt, a great many of Ninagawa's productions were seen outside Japan in the UK. The most impactful were the first two, his all-male kabuki-inspired Medea and the samurai cherry blossom Macbeth. Both of these productions toured well into the 1990s, a shelf life enjoyed usually only by the very biggest Broadway musicals. Other Shakespeare highlights included A Midsummer Night's Dream that featured a very wide variety of Asian influences set in a Zen garden, a version of The Tempest that likened the exiled Prospero to Zayami, the great poet of the No Theatre, who was himself exiled towards the end of his life, an extraordinary Coriolanus, and more recently a Cymbeline that made poetic reference to the resilience of hope in the Japanese people in the aftermath of the Fukushima earthquake in 2011. All of these were seen at the Barbican, while Ninagawa's magnificent Pericles was brought to the National Theatre towards the end of Trevor Run's artistic directorship. The play can sometimes feel unwieldy or even unstageable, but in Ninagawa's hands it became a testament to the power of storytelling and community, and at its very powerful conclusion all losses were restored and sorrows ended. In 1998, the same year that his third Hamlet toured to the Barbican, Ninagawa began the extraordinarily ambitious plan to stage all of Shakespeare's plays in his native Saitama, a city close to Tokyo. The Sainokuni Shakespeare series has been a resounding success, featuring productions predominantly directed by Ninagawa himself, but also with occasional visits by other troops from abroad. The majority of its successes are available on DVD, with tantalising absences that we hope might appear in his memory. Sadly, Ninagawa passed away before the series got entirely through the complete works, but right until the end, his final productions were of Measure for Measure and Richard II, he continued to dazzle, to provoke and to inspire. Of course, it would be spectacularly appropriate for this podcast if the farewell performances this week at the Barbican were of his final Hamlet seen in London in 2016, but instead, and, and rather more appropriately, the final performances are of his incredibly special Macbeth. I myself will be speaking at an event organised by the Japan Foundation on Saturday, October 7th, and details of that are available on the website for this podcast, thehamletpodcast.com. The show itself is already sold out, but I'd encourage any intrepid listeners to show up and try your luck at the Barbican next weekend nonetheless. 
you certainly won't see the like of this great beauty again. All that remains for this special episode is to express my own personal gratitude to the Master for his kindness and indulgence in letting me observe his work for over a year. Sensei, arigato. <laughs>